You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the comics edition, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. And here's your host, Vince. Hello again, everybody. It is another great comic book day, Wednesday, November 10th, just in time for issue 15 of Bow Down to Us, the comics edition. As usual, I'm Vince with my regular sidekick, Roger. What's up today, buddy? A hell of a lot of apparently. Apparently. Yeah. I'm going to fix no that. In the, but yeah, you know, I mean, we got a crap load of stuff coming in, some of it a little controversial. Okay, well, we'll get to the... Um, I'm going to say the more fun of the two things, because it's the one that actually was announced today. Uh, There is a magazine that comes out called Previews, and basically it's just advanced previews of upcoming comics. And this this month's issue previews the February comics, and the front cover of the magazine says, The Death of Spider-Man. Well, holy crap. That's that's a heck of a preview. Uh, I, I have my facts together on this. So before I, I blow everything out of the water, what's your initial impression here? I, I'm lost. Okay, let's be very honest here. Once again, as everybody knows, I am the new, but I'm trying to get past that status. But when I read this, I was completely surprised what it did. I mean, if they're trying to sell magazines, it's going to work because I would buy this just to figure out what the hell they're talking about. Um, knowing that... The character has been around forever. I certainly would not take it to be anything that is going to last. I mean, look at the death of Captain America. and we, There's other ones we could point to. They just come back anyways. But it's still, if it is a, a main story arc that they're going to have, it it's going to be a damn good one. <laughs> All right. So well, what's actually going on? You tell me. Okay. For... Several months now, uh, Tom Brevoort, the ed- one of the executive editors at Marvel, has been teasing that in the next storyline of New Avengers, one of the New Avengers is going to die. That storyline is running from December until like April or May. Well, February falls on that range and Spider-Man is a New Avenger. So it's possible something will be tying in there, which is very interesting. On well, hold on now. Other, I don't I don't see a question mark on that death of Spider-Man. No, cover. I'm just saying <laughs> the death of Spider-Man may be related to the okay, new gotcha. Avengers plotline. On the other hand, Marvel has not made a habit out of advertising when they're killing off a major character. When they killed Steve Rogers, when they killed Hawkeye, they just happened. You know, the fans found out about it the old fashioned way. They didn't pull a Batman like DC and start putting out comics with Batman rest in peace across the top of them six months before they killed the character. <laughs> so it, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of against Marvel's uh, status quo to promote the death of a hero beforehand, which leads me to believe it's going to be some sort of like tease for a, a different sort of plot line. Can you still say that? Now, though, considering the Fantastic Four that is was advertised like four months in advance before it's going to happen. Well, with their team books, Fantastic Four, like we just said, New Avengers and even with X-Men and Second Coming, they say a character will die. They never quite come out and say which character will die. So there's still a lot of interest to read the storyline to find out which one's going to die. They said going into Second Coming, one of the X-Men will die. Uh, I 
used my logic to figure out that it was probably going to be Nightcrawler, and I was correct. But still, there was a lot of motivation to read the comics. Now, if you read Batman and you sit, and they're telling you Batman's going to die, well, not a whole lot of point to continue reading Batman if you know the solitary really? character in the comic. At least for me, there wasn't. Really? I think that's more of a reason. I think that sells issues rather than discourages people from buying them. When you know something's going to be happening of that magnitude, you want to read it. And if there's, even if there was a minuscule chance that it might actually remain, that death can remain, then it's a, a, a very consequential event that is occurring. So, well, I mean, in this case here, if in fact Spider-Man dies, that's, that's momentous. You want to be a part of that. You want to read that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying it's not really Marvel's thing. And then just to type, go back to Batman for one second, when they were putting out all the Batman comics called Batman Rest in Peace, they didn't actually kill Batman in the pages of the Batman comic. He died in a completely different title. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just like literally minutes before we started recording, I actually found an actual cover of that Spider-Man issue, uh, 655, which is the one that comes out in February. And we see in the cover, it's Peter Parker lying or kneeling down in what looks like a web made out of blood or something with his mask off and in his hands. What this kind of leads me to believe is the storyline, maybe something along the lines of the death of Spider-Man, maybe Peter. not necessarily Peter Parker. Yeah. Because let's look at this. Literally today, Marvel launched their new Spider-Man uh, big thing going on. Their big time with their new writer and their you with and your their big new, words. Yeah, <laughs> big thing. <laughs> Me like comic. Yeah, no, they 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 launched their new initiative for Spider-Man with you know new costumes, a new girlfriend, a new job, new villains to fight. It kind of doesn't help. You know, if they're planning on killing off the character right after they, they've started a whole new era for him. So I, there's definitely a lot of interest in this storyline. But so, some people who are already cursing Joe Casada, <clears throat> Joe, <laughs> calm down. There, there, There's definitely some rational thought here that they're not ruining anything just yet. This isn't going to be another one more day, I don't think. The thing is, too, is that considering the the popularity of that character, I find it very difficult to believe that they ever would do anything that would end that character. The only thing that I could see would be if they decided to do a complete reboot of the Spider-Man franchise and just literally get rid of all of the existing titles, ending them off with his death and then starting fresh with something else. And that might not be a bad idea at this point. You know what I'm saying? I know they like to have the big numbers, issue number 655 and so forth. But sometimes when a series has gone through what this has gone through, including some I want to use bad words, but I know we can't unless we bleep <laughs> them out. When you look at some of the bad storylines that this character has been put through and how it's come to a point where it's not always making sense, it certainly would be nice to have something that you could reboot. Yeah, they, they tried that in the Clone Wars, and uh, that was one of the worst storylines of all time. But anyway, we're going to move on from Spider-Man to some other Marvel news, and that is their Point One initiative. 
Uh, I, I'd read about this a few days ago. Wasn't really considering talking about it yet. Going to wait until the actual issues got a little closer. But apparently the internet has gone completely insane today with this news. It has finally started to expand beyond just the regular comic news sites. What the Point One initiative is, uh, starting in January, Marvel's going to be releasing some special issues. Uh, Iron Man 500.1, Captain America 614.1. And what the Point One issues are is they are storylines that tie into the actual comics. It's basically as if they're releasing a second issue of that comic in the same month. And they saying that the point one is going to be a great place for new readers to start out reading. Uh, if you if you like uh, Iron Man five hundred point one, you'll probably want to pick up Iron Man five oh one. It's it's a nice thought. There there's a whole other discussion on top of this of whether or not the issues are necessary and whether or not it's fair. Uh, if you do like the $3 title, will you really want to jump into the $4 title? If you're already buying the $4 title, will you then have to still buy the $3 title in the same month to get the whole story? There's a lot of unknown out there right now, but there's also a lot of complaining about how Marvel lied to us. And I'd like to really clear the air here. At New York Comic Con, which we discussed uh, several episodes ago, DC came out and announced that all of their new titles starting in January were going to be $2.99. So everybody's like, hey, Marvel, what do you have to say about that? And Marvel had a much less interesting statement. And this is the direct quote I have here. It is from the Marvel Senior Vice President of Sales and Circulation, David Gabriel, and is saying that he confirmed that new books launching in January 2011 will not be $3.99. And that's exactly what we have here. The new books coming out in January are $2.99, not $3.99. At various panels, uh, fans kept asking about the whole $2.99, $3.99 thing. They said that they're considering dropping some of their current $3.99 titles down to $2.99. They have not made any decisions there yet. All they would confirm is that new books coming out next year would not be $3.99. So everybody freaking out saying that there's some sort of bait and switch here and that Marvel lied to us. It's untrue. Just Yeah, but it's untrue, but it's not like they point blank denied it or anything like that. From the quotes that I read as well, it, there was still some pretty heavy hinting involved. You know what I mean? And the wording was such that it certainly was not difficult to assume that they would be dropping some. And then they, they point blank said they may drop some later on. Now they're point blank saying, no, we're not dropping any. We're just introducing these at a lower price point. And whether or not the ones that they're introducing at the lower price point are even required are just kind of making you feel like you have to spend even more money on those titles that you care about. It's. I know that they're they're trying to make it sound like it's just an introduction for for people who aren't aware of it. But can you honestly tell me that if you're a fan of the series, you're not going to want to pick those up as well? I, I can't, and that's definitely going to be a very interesting discussion to have in January when these titles do finally come out and we actually get to see just how vital they are to the core title. Because honestly, right now it's entirely speculation. Yeah, I personally, I'm seeing this as a, I mean, I'm not saying that it's a bad business move because 
it is going to make them money. Let's be very honest, because if you love a series like your precious Thunderbolts, if they come out with a Thunderbolts <laughs> that is one of these point one, you're damn well going to want to be reading it because you're going to want to be up to date on everything with those pansies so that's something that's going to matter to you and the same is going to be holding true for any that they they introduce so now instead of spending the high price of $3.99 per issue you're spending $3.99 and $2.99 so it's a wise move business-wise for them in order to get more content out to get more people interested for sure. But from the reader's perspective, it's just going to wind up costing us more money. And the heavy hinting that was made that prices would be dropped is just point blank a fallacy. I I never really saw the heavy hinting. A lot of people are, are alluding to, I don't know. I, mean, I, I tend to read a lot more comic actual news than your average reader does. So at least for me, this wasn't a big deal. This is exactly as I thought it was going to be. So again, just like with Spider-Man, yes, something is happening. No, it's not as bad as some people are telling you it is at least not yet. All that fun aside, we actually have some actual comics to talk about today. And I'm going to take the lead here with <laughs> what is one of my favorite comics at the time. Apparently, Roger has some little <laughs> jokes he's been working on for the last couple of days. That should be entertaining. Maybe I just won't let him talk. But anyway, we're talking about Thunderbolts, specifically issues 148 and 149, which are loose tie-ins to the Shadowland event. And we love us from Shadowland. Who are the Thunderbolts? Well, way back in the 90s when all of the Marvel heroes were taken to another dimension and everybody on Earth thought they were dead, Marvel brought out this new team called the Thunderbolts and kind of pumped them up as being, you know, the replacement for the Avengers because Earth needs heroes with all of the other heroes off fighting. So they introduced this new team of heroes. Thunderbolts issue one came out. You see this new team of heroes fighting crime, doing good, getting in the good graces of the public. And in what I feel is one of the greatest twist endings in comic history, at the very last page of Thunderbolts number one, the Thunderbolts remove their masks and it turns out they're actually the masters of evil. The the Thunderbolts arched enemies at the time. Really great twist at the time. It, it was mind blowing. Nobody saw this coming. So. The Thunderbolts started off as a team of supervillains pretending to be heroes, uh, trying to gain the public's trust, turn on them at later points. The the team has gone back and forth over the years. Uh, Some of them actually did become heroes. Some of them have been completely irredeemable. Leading us to this point, the current incarnation of the Thunderbolts is criminals, super criminals, who have been selected to serve their country as members of the Thunderbolts. Under the direction of none other than Luke Cage. Awesome character. Love everything they've been doing with Cage lately. Uh, Cage has a couple of subordinates in Songbird, Fixer, and Mach 5. The three of them were some of the Thunderbolts that actually did redeem themselves. They they have earned their their freedom from their supervillainy of the past. So they kind of serve as liaisons between Cage and the current actual Thunderbolts. Well, who are the current actual Thunderbolts? Well, first of all, you've got the freaking Juggernaut. Anytime Juggernaut's on a team book, it's tons of fun for me. You have Crossbones, better known as the man who shot and killed Captain America. 
You have Moonstone, who has been a member of the Thunderbolts on and off, dating back to that issue number one we just talked about. She is one of the few Thunderbolts who has never redeemed herself. You have Ghost, who is, you know, he's kind of a hacker, a spy sort of character, and a conspiracy nut. And out of nowhere, you have Man-Thing, who isn't really a criminal, just the government wants him to, you know, be under somebody's supervision, so they stuck him with the Thunderbolts. And what we have here is Luke Cage learns that uh, police officers and other innocent people are being held in a prison beneath Shadowland. This is something we saw a bit of in the actual Shadowland comic. So he calls in his team. He calls in the Thunderbolts to go rescue these men. Why are the Thunderbolts perfect for this job? Because the hand ninjas are already dead. (laughs) If you have a team of supervillains and you tell them, you give them authorization to kill somebody we see that they light up with glee when you tell juggernaut he can smash something when you tell crossbones he can light them on fire fun thing fun times are ahead let's just say so we see the thunderbolts go in uh something goes wrong songbird and fixer the two people who are supposed to be overseeing the mission have to leave and we have the thunderbolts left to their own devices I thought it was a lot of fun. We see Juggernaut really stepping up, taking a leadership role, not just in the mission, but in the story leading up to it with them having to deal with the regular prisoners in the lunchroom. Juggernaut has been a really interesting character over the last couple of years. We see that he does really want to try to become a better person himself. Just when you're the Juggernaut, it's not easy to be a nice guy. I just love the Thunderbolts. It's a fun comic to read. I did not enjoy it. I maybe if I'd started reading them from the beginning, I'd feel differently about it. Um, I've only just read literally these two issues now. So but I mean, it's not hard to catch up and it's certainly not hard to catch up with the principle either that they're going with. And having read all of the Shadowland as well as most of the tie ins, I'm up to date with what's going on with that, too. So I was not at any point lost. I just really didn't enjoy it and the premise behind it i mean when you're looking at premises behind any superhero team they're so far out there that you have to just go with it certainly but there still has to be a modicum of common sense that then allows you to yeah i can believe it because in that world it would kind of make sense but to have villains freely out there doing good doesn't work for me It's not a concept that I can say, (laughs) yeah, I can get behind that. I can believe that is even possible in this universe. I can't. I I don't see this. Is it possible that some of them could redeem themselves? Certainly. That I can buy. That if you had that kind of thing. But this kind of concept where there's a mess of these supervillains that are given chances to, you know, hit the big time, the major leagues, and go out and be part of the Thunderbolts, and other ones don't, um... No, I I can't get behind it. I simply can't. It does. It's it's I the concept doesn't work for me, first and foremost. The entire prison scene in the lunchroom thing in 148 was just a pain in the butt to read. I it, it was long, longer than it had to be. Everybody's trying to act off. And I'm thinking it's a bunch of super villains in having lunch together. Seriously, I, I it. It didn't work. It just didn't work. You know what I'm saying? Um, When you're seeing supervillains locked up and they're in individual cages and there's some 
manner of something holding them back so they can't use their specific powers and things like that, that I buy. The individual prisons that the Green Lanterns use, that I can get behind. (laughs) That is solitary confinement, a jail for villains. When they're all sitting around like inmates (laughs) having lunch together, I don't buy it. It doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? And well, then when they're fighting the hand, oh, I'm not done. <laughs> well, can, can I can I just touch on the lunchroom thing real quick here? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, we, what we're seeing is this is the general population of the supervillains. These are the ones that can kind of roam around on their own. Juggernaut isn't much without his mystical armor. Crossbones has always just been a regular guy. He, like, he's a marksman. He's a psychopath doesn't have superpowers and ghost all of his powers are tied to his uh, technical suit as well so the the villains that are in general population here are the ones that really can't do much of anything without aid of technology or magic artifacts and stuff so it kind of makes sense i I probably didn't do a good enough job explaining that one to you a a psychopath is still going to be a psychopath whether he's got a gun in his hands or just well there's there's no psychopaths in regular prison yes but (laughs) It's they're not super villains. You got psychopath and then three levels above that is super villain. Okay, you don't want to know what's in the middle there. But yeah, there's so again, I can't I can't buy it. And then when you're seeing them go up against the hand, um, they took a lot of collateral damage there. I mean, we saw some of them going down. And this is the hand. Yeah, I know the hand is supposed to be dangerous, but when you're seeing the heroes going up against the hand, for the most part, they're not having too many problems. These guys are encountering quite a few problems. So, again, it's like, are these guys supposed to be badass or not? Because it kind of really didn't come off as that until the end of 149 when Crossbones just kind of lets loose. Um, Other than that, really... It was like they, they came off as a bunch of pansies to me. Well, let, let's face it. If you're a villain and you're in jail to begin with, obviously you're doing something wrong along the line. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just as a team dynamic, I've always enjoyed the Thunderbolts because you get so many conflicting personalities. And for one reason or another, they're pretty much forced to work together. Uh, probably one of my favorite eras on the Thunderbolts was during the uh, – post-Civil War time, when they actually put Norman Osborn in charge of the team. And you had uh, Moonstone was there, Songbird was there, but you also had Bullseye and Venom on the team. That was just so awesome for completely un- unbelievable storylines and amazing stuff happening in every single issue. It, maybe every storyline isn't great on its own, but I... I I can't remember the last time I did not enjoy the Thunderbolts book. It it has been one of my favorite comics for the last several years, at least. But uh, okay, that that's enough about Thunderbolts. We're we're gonna leave them behind. Uh, maybe we'll come back to them in the future when I find something a little more to Roger's likings. But until then, we're going back to what I know is one of our favorite books, X Men Legacy. We haven't talked about the X Men in a little while here, so we actually have two X Men Legacy issues, two forty and two forty one, to discuss. Finishing up their whole storyline on their trip to India, and I'm gonna let you run with this one first, Raj. Really? Because I was a little confused here. (laughs) So I was reading through it. I got some of it. But again, this other team that came out of nowhere and got them, have they been in anything else? Has any of this, did any of this make sense to you in terms of 
you've already seen this kind of thing, you know what they're like, and it actually had some impact. No, I'm right there with you. I have okay. no idea who these people are. Obviously, there's some sort of history I'm going to have to look up on the wiki, but I, I, I have no idea who these people are either. Okay. All right. Well, then I feel better because I, as I was reading it, that is certainly not to say that it wasn't well done because it was. Um, I, again, loved the interactions with the the um, East Indian character and the marriage thing that's going on as well and how that was handled and trying to rush it, but still wanting to help his teammates. And that is important. And so he has that sense of duty that is important to him. And yet at the same time, he has that sense of duty, both to his team and his family. I thought it was very, very well done. Uh, I'm not crazy about this light character, but yeah. that's um, that's just going to happen. But I wasn't crazy about any of that team that came after them. And because I didn't, and apparently neither did you, know any of those characters... It was hard to look at them as this evil force when there's no history. There's no, you know, I, I don't know who these people are. I don't, I can't, I can't grasp the importance of what it is that they are trying to get Magneto and Rogue to do. I mean, they're sticking them in these semi kind of coffin looking things to power up something, but what's that all about? Where's the history there? How is this bad? What's going to happen? And because I had none of that, I, it kind of, it wasn't an issue that meant as much because I, I, I wasn't able to properly grasp what was going on. I mean, it's those issues where you can really appreciate the depth of the, just how bad the situation is. Those issues are the ones that really get to you. But when it's something that, you can't understand what it is that's going on or the importance of it or what's going to happen to the characters. It's kind of hard to to feel for them. Know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. The the, the overall storyline uh, between the X-Men and the weird half Spanish speaking people, I, I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> yeah, that that whole thing, it, it was kind of, okay, whatever. Go on. But I, I really love the positive parts of these issues, though. Uh, Magneto. Magneto is just completely awesome in every single scene he's been in. In all four of these issues, I, I'm loving the way they're writing Magneto here. A lot you better than they're writing him over in Uncanny. Oh, yeah. You know what? This is the only time I've ever... And I mean, Magneto's been a force to be reckoned with since the beginning. And this is the very first time I've ever seen him. And even though he has been good, I mean, overall, there's little hints there of who he is, actually. But even though he's been good and all that, I'm looking at him thinking he has never been this badass. <laughs> that's what that's when you're thinking, oh, my God, like the it's it's that well done. And we're also seeing the 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 weird relationship between him and Rogue, how he's still trying to rekindle that lost romance. And Rogue wants nothing to do with it. But then at the same time, they're also both kind of leading this team. And Magneto's idea of leadership and the right thing to do is completely different from Rogue's idea of leadership and the right thing to do. Magneto seemed more than willing to sacrifice the girl's life in issue 241 in order to get out. 
Uh, but we actually see Rogue talked him down. So I'm really looking forward to reading more issues with the two of them together. It It's going to be some pretty entertaining stuff there. I'm looking forward to other issues as well. More so than that, what I'm looking forward to are other story arcs. Other yes. story arcs that we can get behind, we can understand, and we can really grasp the importance of what's going on. Um, so if, if nothing else, that's what this story arc has done for me. It has made me want to read the series in the hopes that the other story arcs will be something that I can really appreciate <laughs> um, because the writing is solid in this. It's just, again, I'm, I'm chalking it up to my lack of knowledge of this. It's possible that this is actually brand new for everybody. Who knows? And I mean, you have to introduce new content. That's one of the things that we keep saying as well. We want something new and original. And if that's what this was, hey, more power to them. Maybe we'll be able to better appreciate it in future storylines as well. Yeah, the writing is so great. Not just the writing, but the com- combination of the writing and the art in the scene where yeah. Indra finally had to be aggressive with someone. You really felt the the the, the strain he was going through. Yeah, he's a pacifist, not just by choice, by religion. Yeah, he does not attack anyone and he had to attack someone in order to save rogue and that's leading to a lot of his character development that line at the end where you know he's tried walking that path but he can still hear the screams of all the people he wasn't able to help that's some good stuff (laughs) yeah yeah everything with that character has actually been really enjoyable i'm hoping we're going to see a lot more of him not as a secondary character but as a primary character in this series I think as Legacy goes on, it's kind of going to bounce around to a large supporting cast of characters. I think they said Hellion, the poor kid with no hands, is going to be a major (laughs) player in the next story arc. But Legacy right now is the only comic drawing upon the secondary cast of characters. So they have to give everybody a little bit of face time. And I'm sure at least at some point they're going to come back to Indra. And I hope it's as great as these issues were, because right now X-Men Legacy is the best X-Men book on the shelves. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite good. All right. So uh, you actually have a small segment for the what we're reading this week, correct? Well, not really a segment, just well, uh, to to discuss it if I'm allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you know want... What? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> really? <laughs> Warning. If you have not read the Walking Dead comics and would like to not ruin what's happening in the TV show, skip ahead a couple minutes. Well, let's be very honest, though, right now, and let's actually just very briefly look at what they did with episode two of The Walking Dead on TV. I'm assuming you watched it. Of course. So we're already seeing some major departures in terms of cast in the show, as well as some differences in story arcs, as well as using premises that are in the comic, but really kind of warping them enough to fit into the TV series. The fact that that's already happening by episode one and two leads me to believe that we're going to see a lot of differences to the series simply because a lot of the things that occur in the comic they wouldn't really be able, they might be able to allude to it on TV, but they certainly would not want to tackle it. I mean, when you're even looking at the characters of Amy and, oh, damn, what's her name? The sister. Um, uh, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> the sisters, anyways. Um, 
in the comic, they're both quite young. And that is something that is the taboo because one of them eventually ends up with Dale. That's no uh, spoiler Andrea, there. That's correct. What's Andrea. that? It's Andrea, correct? Right. I think so, yeah. I'm trying to remember characters who I haven't read in the comics in several months. Yeah, yes, it is. And then, however, in the TV show, Andrea's quite a bit older. And so you're thinking, okay, so that's something that they don't want to tackle. A, a very young woman with somebody who's obviously quite a bit older. And we're seeing a lot of things like that. So again, it leads me to believe that the things that we're reading right now in the comic book are not necessarily going to be on screen. They're going to go out of their way to make it a good series in and of itself and use some, some of the premises from the book, the comic book, but there's going to be a lot of differences. So when you're looking at the comic book and what's going on now with them in this new kind of little village kind of thing with the secure walls and all that, um, what's going on right now is super interesting and i've gotten to the point now having read through <laughs> 77 hmm. issues in a matter of like a week it literally i started reading the comic books right after the first or right before the first um, episode came out on tv no actually i'm sorry it was right after so a little <laughs> over a week i've read 77 issues and it's freaking awesome. It is unbelievable. And like I've said before, the thing that I love is that Kirkman's not afraid to get rid of major characters, which is what you have to do in a situation like this. How many comic books have we read or TV series that we've watched where we know we don't have to worry about these characters? They're yeah. pretty much always going to be there. Even though they're in terrible circumstances, you know they're going to be always they're always going to be there. I mean, look at how long we lo we watched Lost for on TV, and we got attached to the characters, and with the exception of a couple, you knew these guys are always going to be there. What I love about this series is that yes, you can form your attachment to these characters, but they might not be their next issue. Really, if somebody has to go out for gas. <laughs> <laughs> something bad is going to happen to them. And so that's something that is a testament to his writing, because that means he has the ability to bring in new groups of people, as he's now done in the current story arc, and as he did with the prison story arc, and you care for them immensely right off the bat because of the enormity of what's going on in the world right now, the, it's not, you don't have time to waste on relationships. So he's doing that with his character development whenever he's bringing characters in. And so you care about them. And then he's refreshing his, his group of, his cast, I should say, of characters because of the ones that he has killed off. So you really can't get too attached to anyone because they may very well be gone at any point. And them being, them being killed off you feel the same way to, I mean, to a certain degree, of course, as the people in the story, because they're getting so used to death that it's not hitting them nearly as hard. I freaked out when they killed off Lori and the baby. Oh God. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. But you know what I mean? There's, there's still, <laughs> there's still a, a numbness as opposed to if you'd been reading this all along, not a single character had been killed off from the main cast and then Lori and the baby get killed off. 
it would hit you a lot harder. But because you're getting used to it and because you're seeing the brutality throughout the series, you've numbed out somewhat. And that's something that he writes about as well for the characters, that they've become numb because of what they've seen, because of what they've been forced to do, or because what they felt was right and did. It's just brilliant. The series is so well done. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, Kirkman goes through supporting characters faster than Batman goes through Robins. Damn near. (laughs) And again, it's something that when um, just recently when we lost Dale, it's a character that you had begun to think might be around for a long time. Despite his age, despite losing a leg, you're still thinking, okay, there's a chance here that this guy's going to be around for a while. And then... The whole story arc where you've got (laughs) the cannibals (laughs) was so unbelievably shocking. Believable, absolutely believable, but so shocking and so well done that literally I'm reading this on my iPad and I'm I'm hanging on to it, but I kind of got it on my lap and it just kind of fell out of my hands and <laughs> fell onto my lap and my mouth was open and I'm going, oh my God. And I'm like immediately zooming in to the picture of him on the ground because again, it was so, I, I keep saying so well done. I'm going to need to think of another way to say this, but yeah. it was so gripping that you're thinking there's no way he's getting out of this. And then he kind of does and then is gone. But even that was so, um, the writing was so solid in between and what the cast, the main cast felt they had to do was something that in that situation, I know me personally, I am that kind of protective person. I've got four kids and it's in your nature at that point. I think by default, just a, a, a switch goes in your brain and suddenly you've got that protective instinct. If anything goes wrong with my kids, the hairs on the back of my neck go up and it's a switch. And so I can see this kind of thing where this character has now gotten so so protective of certain people in his group and especially doesn't want anything happening to his kid that the character Rick is, yeah, I can see him doing all of these things that he never would have considered in the past. Mm. Yeah, it's it's so great. All the, all the comics I've thrown at you over the last few months, <laughs> very few have stuck. So whenever, whenever I get that little victory, I, I raise my <laughs> hands because The Walking Dead really, really is that good. I, I, in all honesty, I've been reading a lot of stuff lately uh, and, and there's a lot of things that I've praised a lot as well. We can look back to the X 23 stuff, some different Wolverine stuff, because I'm still reading the Wolverine series as well. Not the origins anymore, but the, the Wolverine series. I just finished the story arc with mystique, the four parter there. Um, so I've been reading a lot of things that, that have been solid, very well done. I mean, hell, we can look back to the astonishing X-Men that I read, the Joss Whedon stuff, which blew my mind. And that stuff, in my opinion, right now, having just blown through 77 issues in one week of The Walking Dead, nothing compares to this. Absolutely nothing. All right. So for the people who have now skipped ahead, 
Read The Walking Dead. Do it. Oh, you'll love it. No kidding. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're going to finish up, as usual, with our recommended new releases this week. And it, it's a nice, concise little list here, but a very powerful one. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 648, the beginning of Big Time. Uh, it's, it's waiting for me. I'm going to read it as soon as we uh, stop talking. Uh, New Avengers number six, finishing up that first story arc. Uh, we might be talking about that on the podcast at some point in the future. Uh, Thanos Imperative number six, finishing off that big event and quite possibly finishing off the entire Marvel Cosmic line for the time being. And Thor 617. Be quiet, Roger. I still love Thor. <laughs> There's nothing in that list I really am that drawn to read. Sadly, uh, that's me. Well, but yeah. well you're going to have to read at least two of them in the coming months. Oh, all right, fine. <laughs> but that's going to wrap us up here for Bow Down to Us, the comics edition, issue number 15. Be sure to check us out at bowdowntous.com. We have some great discussions going on in the forums right now because I, I get to yell at Joe a bit. <laughs> and speaking <laughs> of Joe, I will have a special sidekick for issue 16 next week because we're talking about Batman. Be sure to check us out next week then. And don't forget to leave us reviews on iTunes, people. Oh. We love those. Okay, now you can cut out. <laughs> <laughs> if the mutts go crazy at one point, barking, because the wife gets home, don't stop talking. <laughs> Pretend like it's not happening. <laughs> and I will just edit that crap out, because I'm warning you, it's bound to happen. <laughs> With any luck, I won't be talking. It'll be a lot easier to edit out. <laughs> so, I, yeah, anytime you're ready. Right, right, anytime you're ready. <laughs> Number 15. <laughs> it's worth pointing out. Oh, this is going to be a fun one to edit, huh? Uh, actually, no, I kept talking. I kept talking. <laughs> I got your note, but I kept talking, making my point. I'm, I'm just going to assume you made a great point, and we'll move on. Yeah. <laughs>